0: We are in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, starting in verse 1 uh, all the way through 12, verse 8. 11, 1 through 12:8. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain... In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And we'll end there tonight. Let me pray uh, for God's uh, blessing in our time. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can trust it and know that it is true. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word, by your spirit. You would illuminate this truth to our hearts, that you convict our hearts, that we would be changed to live for you. I pray, God, that Christ would be exalted in the preaching of your word. I pray you would clear distractions from our minds, Lord, that we would worship you in this time, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, as Solomon nears the end of his writing here in the book of Ecclesiastes, and as he just reflected, if you remember from last week, on the foolishness that he's seen in this world, he now gives instruction on how it is that we can live wisely in a vain and foolish world. There is foolishness all around us. We saw that last week. That all is vanity. And so what are we to do? How are we to live in this world that is vain and foolish? We're not to be isolated and paralyzed because of the foolishness and the vanity around us. But instead we are to walk by faith. We're not to give up on life and, and, and mope around because of the foolishness and the vanity around us. But instead, we are to rejoice in life. And specifically, he says, rejoice in your youth. We're not to abandon all truth because of the foolishness and the vanity all around us. But instead, he says, we are to remember the realities of the truth of God. And so Solomon reflects on this and all this foolishness, all this vanity that he's observed And he says, well, how can we live wisely? And so in this passage, what we'll look at tonight is that Solomon addresses how we are to live wisely in a vain and foolish world. And we're going to focus on three main instructions on what that might look like. And so we're going to jump right in. First, what we will see is that Solomon is saying that we we should walk by faith. We see this in the first six verses of chapter 11. That we are to walk by faith. And first we see that we are to trust God in the uncertainties of life. And this is evident in the first four verses. Trust God in the uncertainties of life. And the point Solomon's trying to make is that we do not have control of our circumstances. But instead we ought to walk by faith. And trust God who is in control of our circumstances. Life is full of uncertainties. But that should not paralyze us to act. That should not cause us then to live in isolation or to live in inactivity because of the uncertainties of life. Instead, even through the uncertainties, we are to trust God and walk by faith. And Solomon starts off here in chapter 11 by giving us two examples to prove this point. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion of seven or eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Here we see the example of the merchant. And what Solomon is saying is, put your bread on the ships. When he says, cast your bread upon the waters, he's not saying like just throw breadcrumbs on the water like you're feeding ducks. Okay, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, put your bread on on ships and and send them out, maybe seven ships, maybe even eight ships, because you don't know what's going to happen to the ships. A storm could hit. The the, the ship could crash. The ship could get lost. Pirates could raid the ship. There are a lot of uncertainties as you put your bread on the ship, as you send out your goods. You don't know what's going to happen. The future is uncertain. But don't let the uncertainty of what will happen cause you not to act. See, if the merchant was paralyzed by fear of the what ifs, if the the merchant was paralyzed by the fears of the uncertainties, then the merchant would never send out any ships and, and, and would never receive any reward for his goods. But instead, because of his uncertainties, he should actually, Solomon says, to send out more ships, seven or eight So that not all of the investments are just in one ship. So the merchant should use wisdom. As the old saying goes, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so he says, yeah, there's uncertainty, but be wise and still act. Send it out seven or eight ships. And then he talks about the farmer in verses three and four. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. He's talking about the farmer. And Solomon gives examples of bad circumstances to show that we have no control of the future. Clouds are full of rain. And it will rain when it rains. Trees will fall. And they will fall when they fall. And the point is that these things, they seem random to us. And we have no control of when the rain falls. And we have no control of when the tree falls. They happen when they happen. We have no control over it. But if the farmer just waited for the ideal circumstances, then he would never get anything done. When you're trying to sow seeds, it's not ideal that it's windy. You don't want it to be windy when you're sowing seeds. When you're trying to reap the harvest, it's not ideal when the clouds are out and it's raining on you. And we can come up with excuse after excuse because of the uncertainties of life. And Solomon says, if that were the case, then the merchant would not get anything done. Then the farmer would not get anything done. Because they're just waiting for the uncertainties to be gone. Oftentimes, we need to act, even when the circumstances do not seem ideal to us. And that requires us to walk by faith. Be active, is what he's saying. Don't be paralyzed in fear, but instead walk by faith. Well, in what ways might you be fearful of the uncertainty of life? And therefore you do not act maybe it's certain activities in life and you're fearful of the uncertainties you're afraid of a failing you're afraid of looking stupid or whatever it might be and so you don't act do your fears prevent you from doing what honors god from what you know would honor him maybe you know it would honor god to to speak to that lonely person in the corner that's by themselves, but you're afraid. That could be awkward. Maybe you know it would honor God to, to call out one of your friends in their sin, but you're afraid of how they might respond. Maybe you know it would honor God to share the gospel with that one person, but you're afraid it might not go well. Maybe you know it would honor God to serve and to use the gifts that he's given you, but you're afraid that you might not do a good job. Or maybe there are clear commands in Scripture in ways in which you are commanded to act, but you're fearful. And so you do not act. You're afraid of these uncertainties. Well, if you're a Christian, I gently say to you, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Are you just waiting for all the circumstances to be just right and for all uncertainties to be gone? And then you act. Once all those uncertainties are gone, then that's what I feel comfortable acting. Well, Solomon would say, look at the merchant. Look at the farmer. Now, they must be wise. Yes, they, they don't just act blindly without consideration and without wisdom. But they do act. They don't wait for all circumstances to be perfect. And for all uncertainties to be gone. They act. Will you walk by faith? Will you trust God? And will you act? Then in verses 5 and 6, we see to trust God with what you do not know. Verses 5 and 6. Shows us to trust God with what you do not know. And this is similar to what we just said. But I do want to focus on the mysteries of God and being okay with not knowing. Look at even verse 5 and 6 and when he says that we do not know. Starting in verse 5. And you do not know. The way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Solomon's starting to describe these things we don't know. He's describing the mysteries of how a baby is formed in the womb. I mean, it's crazy if you've ever seen an ultrasound or you've seen images of a baby. I mean, it's just crazy. Like all of a sudden, I remember just so exciting with, with, with our kids. Where we see just like a little tiny little thing, like pea size, And all of a sudden, like the heartbeat's just like, brrr, like, that's crazy. And all of a sudden, it starts growing. You're like, oh, there's some fingers. And like there's a nose, right? And, and all of a sudden, like in the womb, a, a human is being formed. Like it's crazy. Like there, there's life. And then like, he's saying, Solomon's saying, like, the the soul meets, the, the the spirit comes to the bones in the womb. Like, it's crazy. It's a, it's, a, it's a mystery. It's incredible. It's mind-blowing. And then he talks about the harvest. And he says, you don't know if you're going to prosper or not. Like, you hope you that you can. And you do what you can do so you prosper. But he's saying, it's out of your control, ultimately. You don't know. His point is that nobody really knows. We don't know all how God works. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if our efforts will bear fruit. We don't know the mysteries of how God works in creation. We don't know. But that's okay. We need to be okay with not knowing. This is how we live by faith. That even in the unknown, we still trust God. His point in verse 6 is is to not be paralyzed in fear of failure. But to know that there is no guarantee of success. But it doesn't matter. We're to work hard regardless. We're to walk by faith and trust God. Just like last week when we looked at working with diligence and integrity. What did we look at last week? We said that we work unto the Lord. That we are to be good stewards with what he's given us. And we aren't just to shrink away because we don't know what the future holds. And so therefore I'm not going to act. We don't know if success is around the corner or not. And so I'm not going to move forward. No, instead he says, trust God with what you don't know. That is faith. So first he says to walk by faith. Right? And, And how do we live wisely in a vain, foolish world? He says walk by faith. Secondly, how do we live wisely in a vain and foolish world? He says, rejoice in your youth. Verses 7 and 10. Rejoice in your youth. And the first thing we see in this section is to enjoy every day God has given you. Enjoy every day God has given you. Verses 7 and 8. He says, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Solomon reminds us of the reality of death and therefore the sweetness of life. He says, Remember that the days of darkness will be many. The point is that life is short. That our life here on earth is very short. And specifically, I think, in the context of the uncertainties of life, we can gather that life may be shorter than you even think. That your life, even seeing tomorrow, is uncertain. Therefore, he says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. And because of the reality and the inevitability of your death, Whenever that may be, whenever your death may be, it is inevitable. Whenever that may be, only God knows. He's saying, enjoy life today. Enjoy life today. Why? Because you have life today. Today you are alive. And so he says, enjoy that. Do not take your life for granted, do not take your breath for granted. I think too often we, we, we complain about our lives and we're ungrateful for what we have. And our eyes maybe are on the lives of others and what they have. That we don't even enjoy the life that we do have. You see what I mean? We have life. God has given us life today that we are to enjoy. But we're too busy looking elsewhere at other people's lives and wishing we had their lives that we can't even enjoy the life and the gift that God has given us today. In fact, in some ways, we may may not even enjoy the lives of others while we still have them with us today. Here at TYG, you know we've experienced death recently on a number of occasions and some of which were unexpected that we did not know that they would not live the next day. We ought to enjoy not just our life today but the lives of others today because we have them today. Life is fleeting. And so Solomon is saying enjoy it while you still have it. Do you recognize that every day is a gift from God? Because it really is. Every day you live is a gift of God. It is a gift by His grace. We are just so used to waking up in the morning. And we are so used to being able to rest our heads at night. And then starting over the next day. But we must not forget that it is only by His mercy and His grace that we live to see another day. Not only are we fully dependent on Him, but let's remember that in our sin, we don't even deserve to see another day. The fact that you are alive today is a gift from God given to you by His grace. And so Solomon says, Enjoy it! Enjoy life! Rejoice that His mercies are new every morning! Rejoice that you have another day to live! Are you wasting away the days in which God has given you in just self-pity? Are you wasting your days in in, in discontentment? Are you wasting away your days in in envy, in, in longing for what you do not have? Your eyes are elsewhere. Solomon says you have life and so enjoy the life that God has given you. Not just living in discontentment, looking at other people's lives. I wish I had that. I wish my life was this. But God has given you life. And so enjoy that life. And then we see to enjoy the blessings of youth. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Enjoy the blessings of youth. You know, I remember when I was younger, I always wanted to be older. Some of you guys, maybe you can relate already, right? I remember thinking, I cannot wait until I'm 13. I'll be a teenager. I made it. I don't know if I'd live to be 13, but I did. I made it. And I was like, I'm 13. But once I'm 16 and I have my license, yes. And then, of course, you're 16. You're like, I cannot wait until I'm 18. I'll be an adult. And then, like, you're 18. You're like, I can't wait to be 21 because I'll be more of an adult. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. <laughs> right? And so on and so forth. Like my eyes are just always looking at the next age. Like, I just can't wait to be older. I can't wait to be older. I- instead of enjoying the age that I was. I always just wanted to be the age that I wasn't. Maybe you can't relate. Solomon says enjoy your youth while you're still youthful. Enjoy your life now. Enjoy the present. Take advantage of your days of youth while you're still youthful. Take advantage of your energy. Take advantage of your good health. Take advantage of your time. And I know you think you don't have time. I know you think you don't have energy. You don't have good health. But you do. Trust me, you do. I remember thinking the same thing when I was younger. I don't have any of those things. I know there's some extreme cases, and there are some exceptions, of course. But for the majority of you, you have time, you have energy, you, you have health, you have opportunities that you will no longer have one day in your youth. You may not think it, but trust me. I remember my senior year, I thought I had no time. My senior year in high school, I was working three jobs, I was in advanced theater. I was a student leader in my youth group, and I was part of three bands. I was busy. And I thought, I have no time. There is no way that I will be busier. But man, I had so much time back then, way more than I do now. In the moment you think, I can't, I have no time. I, I, I have no health, I have no energy, I have nothing. And what Solomon is saying Take advantage of your youth. Enjoy your youth. You have opportunities in your youth that you will not have one day. I know I'm... I, I've shared this a long time ago. And I know I'm speaking to a majority of homeschoolers, but hopefully you can still uh, relate to this in some way. In some ways you probably won't, but... Hopefully you can come up with your own example that's similar. I do remember being in college and looking back into my high school years. I went to public school. And looking back at those four years in high school, thinking, man, I wasted it. I wasted those four years. What an opportunity I had. I thought this in college. One opportunity I had that I have now missed where I saw these people for about eight hours a day, usually more, stay after whether sports practice or theater practice or band practice, wherever it was. But I'll just round it down to eight. Eight hours a day, five days a week, four years. I had these people. What a mission field. They weren't Christians. The people I was hanging around, they were not Christians. And here I was, supposed to shine the light of Christ, on mission, and I kept my mouth shut for four years. And I'll never have that opportunity again to be in that setting where I'm being able to speak truth into these people's lives that consistently, day in, day out, all day long, four years straight, and it's gone. And I remember regretting that in college. And thinking, I'll never have those days back in high school. There are opportunities you have in your youth that you will not have one day. And Solomon's call is to, mainly he's saying to enjoy your youth, but also to make the most of your youth. He's saying, instead of looking so much of the potential of your future, of just looking ahead. Oh, I can't wait until this. I can't wait until that. There's a time and place for that. You should plan. You should look forward to. But he's saying, instead of just looking forward, he's saying, live for today and enjoy today. Enjoy the days of your youth. Enjoy the blessings of your youth. Because those blessings will fade. Those opportunities will be gone those blessings and those opportunities you will no longer have one day. Now, while you are to enjoy your youthfulness of today, that doesn't mean that you just live in sin and enjoy youthful passions. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, enjoy it. Be crazy, you crazy kids. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he even says, look, you should know that there are consequences to your youthful actions. God is still judge. He follows up with that in verse 9. He says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. We will be judged on how we live our lives. So don't be foolish in thinking that there are no consequences to your actions. I mean, for one, there there are eternal consequences of your foolishness if you reject the gospel. But I don't think that's exactly what he's talking about. I think more so it's that there are consequences even in this life as well. In verse 10, Solomon explains that that the the decisions of today affect life tomorrow. The way in which you take care of your body, the habits you build, the, the sinful decisions you make, they don't just affect you today, but they can have lasting effects for the rest of your life. Charles Spurgeon, he once said, Youthful sins... Lay a foundation for aged sorrows. You hear that? Youthful sins lay a foundation for aged sorrows. Let that be a warning of the decisions that you make today. I'm still. I was just talking. Uh, uh, Javen, we were talking about it. I was telling even Javen today. I'm still haunted to an extent. And feel the effects of sinful decisions that I made in my youth. They haunt me. Or they they still have have effect on me. I wish they didn't. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Your decisions today, they have effects, long-lasting effects. And so be wise today. Now, even me and Javen were talking. We said, well, yes, while they still have effects, we know that there's grace and there's forgiveness in Christ. And so praise God. And we know that that what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And we know that God has used even our past sins and decisions to, to grow us. And praise God for that. But we still must heed the warning to not just live foolishly in your youth, But to live wisely and to enjoy life and enjoy life in your youth. But enjoying life doesn't mean falling to sinful, youthful passions. Enjoying life is is not living a godless life as if God does not exist. Truly, enjoying life is when we live in accordance to God's design for the glory of God. We were created to worship Him. And when we do so, there is great enjoyment in living life. There is great enjoyment in living in accordance to how we were created to live. We were created to worship Him. And so when we live in accordance with our design, then there is sweet enjoyment. When we live for His glory, we truly enjoy life. And so enjoy today. Enjoy your life. And live for the glory of God. That is where you find true enjoyment. Our last section, by so, right, answering the question, how, how can we live wisely in a vain, vain and foolish world? Well, lastly, we see to remember reality. Chapter 12, 1 through 8. Remember reality. And the first thing that we see is to remember that God is creator. Remember that God is creator. Chapter 12, verse 1 you'll see he's continuing on even in youth. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And when he says remember, remember also your creator, he's not just saying, think about the fact that God is creator. Like just think about that. Remember that. Don't forget it. What he's saying is, let that remembrance Shape your view of life. That it implies an obedience that follows remembrance. That even through the uncertainties, even through the foolishness of the world, even through the vanity, he's saying, remember, God is creator. Intentionally remember the acts of God in the past. And then allow that truth to create in you a trust of God in the present. That produces in you a worshipful heart of obedience. That's what he's getting at. And specifically Solomon calls us to remember that God is creator. And for God to be creator means that he is the authority. That he is in charge. That we submit to him. And ultimately then that we must trust him. But it is when we seek to place ourselves in the seat of the creator. That we get it all wrong. our trust is placed in ourselves and our hope is placed in ourselves and our authority becomes ourselves, then we no longer live in obedience because we're forgetting who it is that we live for. See, so he says we must remember God is creator. Do you remember your place compared to God? That God is creator and you are creation? And does your remembrance then lead you to obedience? Or do you forget that God is Creator? Not you. Let your remembrance of who God is lead you to a life of worshipful obedience and submission to Him. That's what He's getting at. And Solomon gives urgency. He says, to remember this in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, He says, right now, in the days of your youth, remember God. Now, that's not exclusive just to youth. I want to make sure I say that. But it's to all people. For however old you are right now, however old you are right now, it is the youngest you will be for the rest of your life. you realize that? (laughs) However old you are right now, that is the youngest you will be for the rest of your life. It is an urgent call that while you are this young, however old you are, while you are this young, however young you may be, as in the youngest you'll ever be again, while you are this young, remember God and live for Him. You can live for the glory of God at any age. There's no age limit to living a life for God's glory and for the furtherance of His kingdom. But His point is, Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Don't waste the opportunities that you have in your youth to live for the glory of God. Even if you're older right now, you are younger than you'll ever be one day. And so how are you using your youth to live for the glory of God? However youthful you are. Some of you guys are 50 years into your youth. Okay. Still the youngest you'll ever be. Again. So how are you using that then to live for the glory of God? Christian, how are you making the most of your life for the glory of God? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities that you have in your days of, quote, youth for the glory of God? Or are you wasting away the days of your youth However old you are, are you wasting away today? The last day you will be this young. Wasting away whatever youth you have today. He says, remember, God is creator. And therefore live in worshipful obedience to him. Making the most of every day that God has given you. Take advantage of your youth. And that advantage should be to live for the glory of God. And then lastly, he calls us to remember that death is coming. He calls us to remember that death is coming. Now Solomon describes a very interesting picture in verses 2 through 7. And there's, there's a lot of debate on what kind of language is he using, what exactly is he saying. In short, and I think most can agree, is that in verses 2-7 through seven, he's speaking of death. You might have picked up on some of that language. He talks about it... Um they're afraid also of what is high. Terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Verse 6, he talks about like things ending, like, 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 like they're dying. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Solomon is saying, death is coming. Know this and remember this. This God who is the creator of all that we're supposed to remember. This God who is the creator of all who gave you life. Your spirit will return to him. Is what Solomon said. And that can be a joyful thing. Or it can be a very fearful thing. And so you see, I think this can be a call to both the Christian and the non-Christian to remember that death is coming. To the Christian, I think it further supports our last point, to remember that God is creator and to remember that death is coming. Therefore, live with urgency for God now, today. You have breath today. You are alive. One day that breath will be gone. Are you using your breath to give praise to God? Are you using your breath to proclaim the excellencies of God? Are you using your breath for the glory of God? Or are you using that very breath that God has given you for sin? Are you using your breath to curse God? Are you not using your breath at all? Not speaking of the excellencies of God. Death is coming. Remember that. And therefore, be urgent to live for God in all things. Be urgent to make the most of your life here on earth today. And I think this remembrance leads us to rejoicing for the Christian. Knowing, as it says in verse 7, that the Spirit returns to God who gave it. That is a joyous truth for the Christian. It's not fearful, for we know, Christian, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, when we return to God, it will be a celebration. We get to be with our God. We get to be in His presence. We get to worship at His feet. And there is nothing greater than this. And so we remember this. We remember death is coming. We remember that we get to be, our spirit will return to God who created us. One day we will be with him. And so we can rejoice in that. Not that we seek to end our life here on earth. No, God still has a purpose for you right now on earth to live urgently for him. But it does mean that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us, Romans 8.18. Why? Because we will return to God. It is coming. Christian, we will be with Him. And we can long for that day. And we can rejoice in that truth. And until that day comes, we can live with great boldness and urgency here on earth today. I think this is also an urgent call to the non-Christian. And that urgent call, if you're not a Christian, is to turn to Christ now. To turn to Christ today. Solomon paints a picture of the inevitable death that is to come. Non-Christian, let me tell you that the evil days are coming. That it is drawing near. Death is inevitable let this truth drive you to Christ. It's the same thing. Remember, God is creator. Remember, as He says in verse 7, dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. You will stand before God and you will be guilty before him. And that is not something to rejoice in, but as something that should strike fear in your heart. And you should tremble at this truth. But do not stop in your fear. But instead turn to Christ. And let the truth of this reality point you to the hope that we have in Christ. Because outside of Christ there is much fear. And outside of Christ there is no hope. Some of you continue to reject Christ. Some of you reject Christ, maybe because you you don't believe that the eternal wrath after your inevitable death is is real. You were blinded by sin. You were blinded by the schemes of the enemy. Let me tell you, you you are guilty before God, and the just punishment that you deserve is the eternal wrath of God. Period. There's no arguing about it. That is what God's Word says. And remember, God is creator. And your only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ. And some of you reject Christ maybe because you believe that you are good enough on your own. That you don't really need Him. And you may not reject Him completely. You're like, yeah, no, I'm good with Jesus. But you reject the fact that that you need Him completely. 100%. That in your self-righteousness, you believe that in some way your works, your life has brought you closer to God. That in some ways you you, you have earned a spot with God. That you've made yourself more lovable. You've made yourself more righteous in some way so that God has loved you. That is not true faith in Christ. That is faith in Christ plus yourself. That is faith in Christ plus your works, plus your church attendance, plus your knowledge of the Bible, plus your, your good moralistic life. That's not faith in Christ. I urge you, listen to the truths and the warnings of Scripture and know that you need Christ. And turn to Christ now. That's His point. It is uncertain of when death is, but what is certain is that you will meet God, your Maker. So let this produce urgency to turn to Him. Tomorrow is not promised to you. What is promised to you that you will die one day? What is promised to you that you are a sinner, guilty before God, deserving of eternal wrath? What is promised to you that there is hope and there is salvation in Jesus Christ and that it is a free gift received by grace through faith? So if you're not a Christian, the urgent call for you is to turn to Christ. What does the truth of death create in you. Christian, does it create in you an urgency to live for God today? Christian, does it create in you joy and thanksgiving for the salvation that you've received from God? Non-Christian, does it create in you an urgency to turn to Christ in faith and repentance? Repentance. Or will you continue to harden your heart against him? Well, as we close, we, we reflect, as Solomon reflects, that this world is full of foolishness and vanity. What are we to do in a foolish and vain world? How are we to respond? How are we to live wisely in a vain and foolish world? Well, Solomon offers three instructions. We are to walk by faith we are to rejoice in youth and we are to remember reality. What is the wisest way that you can live your life in the midst of a vain, foolish world? You can live in faith by living every day to the fullest for the glory of God. That is how we can live wisely. Are you walking by faith? Trusting God in the uncertainties of life, even in the things you don't know? Are you rejoicing in your youth, enjoying every day that God has given you and making the most of today, the day that God has given you? Are you remembering reality that God is creator and that death is coming? And are you therefore living your life urgently for the glory of God? Do you want to live wisely in a vain and foolish world? Then be rooted in Christ. In Christ, we walk by faith. In Christ, we rejoice in our youth and make the most of every day for His glory. In Christ, we remember the reality of who God is and the reality of death and therefore live urgently for Him. Christ changes everything. And Without Christ, we will continue to live foolishly. But in Christ, we have purpose. We have hope. In Christ we have joy. And we have satisfaction. And we have contentment. In Christ we have true life. You see to live wisely. Is to live in Christ. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Lord God. We thank you for Christ. God we thank you that. In him we have true life. In him we have salvation. Lord, I pray, God, that we would live wisely in a vain, foolish world. God, that we would seek to live for you in all things, that we'd be urgent. God, to walk by faith, to live boldly for you, to make the most of the day that you have given to us today. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, convict us where we need conviction, change us where we need to be changed, Lord, as we discuss these things, may you be glorified. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.